Hey there, welcome into Talking Catholic with David O'Gray. I know it sounds like a crazy title for a podcast, How Did I Become a Black Catholic? <laughs> but it's like, ever since I became Catholic on the Feast of St. Dominic in 2006, people have really approached me with this question all the time. Black Americans approach me with this question, they're like, how did you become Catholic, dude? Because everyone knows, every black person knows that black people aren't Catholics, right? Catholicism is a white man's religion. And so they ask this question with the presupposition or with the thought in their head that um, I sold black community out. Like I just sold everybody out becoming a black Catholic. That I'm really just a white person on the inside. Like that's the only reason I can become Catholic if I'm just somehow, I've been brainwashed, right? Like I'm a, you know the words, Uncle Tom and Coon, things like that. That's the only way a black person can become Catholic if they're not truly black, right? Uh, white Americans or white Catholics, they approach me with this question or they sometimes they look at me like I'm a, a minotaur <laughs> because they, they're like, how, how did you become Catholic? Because some of them think that black people just aren't Catholics. They just haven't seen a whole lot of them. So they're confused, sometimes confused by my presence, right? Um, and even if you watch my confession video about how I did end up becoming a Catholic via agnosticism and Protestantism, even I admit <laughs> that I didn't even know that black people can be Catholics. I didn't even know black people could be Catholics. I mean, who ever heard of a black Catholic? It's true. But in the next four episodes of Talking Catholic, I'm going to go deep into this so-called Black Catholicism. And what I mean by Black Catholicism is that um, these are churches that have historically and have been predominantly black and are in predominantly black communities. These church communities over the past 500 years have been abandoned, led astray, run amok, um, ignored, <laughs> undermined, and left for dead for 500 years by popes, archbishops, bishops, even black archbishops such as Wilton Gregory, formerly of Atlanta, now Washington, D.C. They have been, they've been undermined. And this, it's been really just a theological assassination attempt. And it's, it's been a theological assassination attempt that's had consequences, um, primarily that, that black, pro, black Catholics do not look very, very um, dissimilar or sometimes nearly identical to black Protestants. They don't look like set apart people. And that's a consequence of them being abandoned of this theological assassination attempt. Um, I, 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 I'm, go I'm going to demonstrate in this video that the institutional Catholic Church has never truly wanted black Catholics in America. They never really wanted black people to be Catholics in America. They, they've never wanted it. They never supported it. They, they never got behind the idea of, of converting black Protestants to Catholicism or even supporting the black Catholic Church community. I'm going to prove that in a series of videos. And, and we see that. We see the consequence of this, this sheer abandonment. We see it in, in black Catholics, their approach to the world. The faith that they, they, they seemingly the mass that they celebrate in the church doesn't seem reflective of the mass they live in the world. Um, primarily in, in faith, in society, in politics. Black Catholics. And what I mean by black Catholics, though, those, there was, there's four million black people um, in the Catholic Church in America. In America. Um, 24% of those belong to these churches that I described historically and predominantly black and black communities. Those 24% of black Catholics vote nearly identical they vote the same at the ballot booth as by Protestants. That is overwhelmingly for the Democratic Party. 
The Democratic Party, that is the party of slavery, the party of Jim Crow, the party of the KKK, the party of segregation, the party of abortion, the party of homosexuality, the party of transgenderism, the party that for eight years under Barack Obama persecuted the Catholic Church, persecuted the Catholic Church. This is who black Catholics vote for overwhelmingly, just like black Protestants. Historically, for the past 80 years, um, black Americans have voted against their own self-interest because they've been they've been fed the lie that the Republicans hate them and that um, the Democrats are for them. OK, they, they've bought into this lie, um, which we know, which are I think more and more black Americans are starting to discover is a lie. Um, but this is how black Catholics vote against their own self-interest, against their own church, against their church's own teachings. But that's just the consequence of them, them, them being left in a theological ghetto, of them being abandoned, of them not being supported, right? Um, another consequence is in the, the liturgy, and I'll talk about this in, in a video after that, in a podcast after that, that um, if you go to a black Protestant church at 8 a.m., and then at 10 a.m., you go to a black Catholic church, you will experience, you hear some of the same songs. You, you'll hear some of the same um, cadences in worship. You will. It's a fact. Um, in liturgy and worship, black Catholics do not look completely dissimilar and, and nearly identical to how black Protestants worship. And that's a problem. <laughs> how black Catholics, um, how their, their application of faith in society and the bad booth, that's a big problem. In the liturgy, <laughs> that it looks nearly identical to Protestants is a big problem. It's a problem that just no longer needs to be excused. I mean, you had beautiful people such as Thea Bolin, beautiful woman, um, who many people have loved and they're starting to examine her life to see if she um, um, has had her role virtue. Perhaps she may, may be a saint one day. But all she did in regards to liturgy um, was just excuse it. She attempted at times to say that the way black Catholics worship is because they're African that their roots are African and um, the song and dance and the, the expressive nature of their worship has its African roots. But we know that's not true. Black Catholics, because they weren't supported and, um, uh, and really the institution of orthodoxy to faith just really got in there and supported them because they were ignored, sometimes segregated in white Catholic churches, had to go to the rafters or to the balcony or be off to the side um, because they were really instructed in the faith. Sometimes weren't even allowed to receive the Eucharist because they weren't allowed to drink the same cup as whites. Because they've been left in this ghetto, they've had to look for things to emulate, things to, um, they had to look for structures and, and people to figure out who, who we are. And because Catholics weren't there, they've looked at black Protestants. And they've adopted, in many ways, that form of worship, a lot of that music, into um, the black Catholic church. It's, it's just been a consequence of this abandonment, of this undermining, of this attempt at theological assassination attempt. Um, and, and so that's what we see. And I think we just need to stop excusing it. We need to stop pretending that this is African. It has nothing whatsoever to do with Africa. And the black Catholic worship it has everything to do with mimicking black Protestants. That's where it comes from. And we have to stop excusing it. We just need to, to correct it. So those are some things I'm going to be talking about in this um, series on so-called black Catholicism. And a lot of people aren't going to like these videos. They're going to make a lot of people upset. I understand it. My, um, my invitation to speak at the National Black Catholic Congress is probably going to remain on hold 
<laughs> indefinitely because of these videos. I understand that, right? But these are, these are things that a lot of people have been afraid to say. A lot of people um, have been because they don't want to be, they don't want to be called out as racist and things like that. But yeah, I'm a black Catholic. I'm going to say them. You can't call me a racist. Some of you may want to call me Uncle Tom, you know, all this and that. I get that, right? Fine. But I'm going to say these things. I'm going to leave them where they are. And you can try to prove me if you're wrong, if you want to. But I'm going to say them because they need to be said, all right? Um, but it all begins, I have to first explain to you how I ended up being a black Catholic. And it all begins right after this 10 second introduction to Talking Catholic. Here we go. I have a secret to tell you. I had to learn over a course about 10 years how to be black. That is culturally black. My mother <laughs> didn't raise me to be black, culturally black. Um, she didn't even raise me to be a, a Christian. She was just raising a son who she left. My father, my biological father, Oscar, my mother um, didn't marry. Right? But my mother did marry my stepfather, Roy, when I think I was about seven. Okay. But by the time I was um, nine, <laughs> Roy had figured me out, right? He had a stepson who wasn't <laughs> that wasn't black, wasn't culturally black. And it, it didn't help that Roy himself, he didn't live in a black neighborhood. He just started making money and he lived in the suburbs, I think, for a long time. I think we were only we were only black people on our street that owned a house. All my friends were white, right? All of them. Um and the girls who I liked in school were all white. You know, they had names like, you know, Becky and um, Bethann and Martha. I mean, there was a couple exceptions, right? There, there was Sonya and there was there was Dee Dee, who I loved. Um, <laughs> but other than that, um, that that was just that was the situation which we lived in. Um, but I think Roy thought I was becoming culturally white, um, so he decided to fix me. Right? I remember him coming into my um, room one day. And this is the first day he decided, this is the first day of his project to fix me, to make me culturally black, All right? So he comes into my room and on a wall I had a picture of the Fonz from Happy Days, right? And so he asked me, he said, why do you have that picture on a wall? And I said, it was the Fonz, I think he's cool. And, and so Roy's answer to that, you know, his <laughs> the question he asked me, he said, um, this is a, a trick question, a trick question. It caught me completely off guard. I didn't know what to do with it. He said, who looks, no, he said, who's more like animals, white people or black people? And this is a trick question because we had just got done watching the Planet of the Apes. And Roy had told me that Planet of the Apes is, is a metaphor <laughs> of that, of white people being afraid of black people taking over. So, okay, so I thought, well, monkeys or animals that was, was in the planet of apes something okay the right answer is um black people are more like animals because of the metaphor <laughs> and so wrong answer and and, and so what roy had said he said no white people are more like animals because when they get wet they smell like dogs which again news to me all my white friends um mark uh, Luke, 
um, Jeremy and Brian, we went swimming almost every day in the summer and they never smelled like dogs to me. So again, news to me. Um, and so and then Roy, he took my complete um, collection of Kiss albums and I had all of the Kiss albums, all of them. My favorite person in the band was Ace. And um, so he took that. He's now he's saying, you know, you're black. You don't listen to this type of music. News to me. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> and what else was in his project? Oh, so we started hanging out. He started taking me on weekends. We started hanging out with his friends from where he grew up in the hood, right? And um, he'd take me over there so I could hang out with his kids friends, so I could figure out how to be black be culturally black and he put me on a football team rather than put me on a football team in our neighborhood um he put in a, a football team on the west side <laughs> where, where all the black kids played on the football team the little browns the warren little browns so i played on on that team so this was this was his project and it worked it worked i became brainwashed or i became it worked whatever you say it worked let's just call it brainwashing all right i became to believe that it was very important for me to um, be culturally black, to do black things, to act, here goes the air quotes, I hate air quotes, but act black, right? And um, so I became pretty good at it. I think um, in 11th grade, um, I even switched high schools. Uh, my high school I went to at the time, at the 10th grade was predominantly white. And, but 11th grade, you know, I want to be around more black people. So I went to high school on the West side, which was predominantly black because I want to be around black people, you know, figure, figure this thing out and, um, ended up going to a university that was predominantly black, uh, very predominantly black. I think I probably only seen maybe one or two white people that went to school there the whole time. And I'd like to say, I think I became very good at looking black. I did. Ended up marrying a mostly black woman, <laughs> had black kids, um, became like Roy in a sense. Uh, we raised our daughters in a very <laughs> white um, town. And um, and so, um, you know, so the cycle and so the cycle continues. But there was a moment when I, when I first arrived at the university I went to uh, for undergraduate. Um, a predominantly black university, like I said, where God gave me a grace. He gave me a paradox that, that could have changed the course of my life if I had received it. We arrived on campus. I, I started school in the spring quarter of 1992. And when we arrived on campus, I think there were only maybe 10 people who were starting school in the spring quarter. And so there weren't any signs up that, that, told, that told you where to go or anything like that. I guess it was just an insignificant time for people to start school. <laughs> in the spring quarter. And so we didn't know where to go. So dad, dad my, this is my, um, my biological father, Oscar. So, you know, I'm in his truck and uh, we see a kid and um, dad asked him, he said, hey, do you know where we're supposed to go um, for freshman orientation? And the kid said, yeah, yeah, um, I'll show you the way. And dad said, you mind hopping in the back of the truck because there's no room on the inside? And the kid said, yeah, sure. He said, I've slept in the biggest house in the world. I don't mind. And I heard that and I was like, 
He slept in the biggest house in the world. What's that, right? I've always been interested. I've always been the type of person that's been more interested in what people, the meaning of the words rather than just their speak. And so I was, I was thinking about, well, what, is that, what did that mean? All right, did he sleep in the Taj Mahal, the White House? Where's his biggest house in the world? What's he bragging about, right? So I asked my dad, and he, Oscar was one of the wisest men I've ever known. And, um, you know, he's looking in the um, in a side view mirror as a kid is hopping up in the truck. And... Um, he says, he's been homeless before. I was like, oh, I really know. Again, you know, I'm 18, 19. I really don't know what that means. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, um, and it's weird because I would see this kid around campus from time to time. And he was never well-dressed. His hair was always a mess. Um, wore the same clothes all the time but he was completely happy he's always you know mocked and laughed at people just you know the cool kids just you know just kind of like you know didn't think much of him but i would just stare at him sometimes because he was like a paradox like here was a person who was completely himself and happy with himself he didn't have to pretend to be like any other person or any other group of people, he didn't feel the need to belong. He was just himself and he was happy. I didn't really understand that because here I was posing, pretending, right, to be culturally black, right? I learned how to like rap music and things, thing, you know, these type of things. And, um, but, you know, deep and inside, I just want to, you know, secretly, I'll just always be listening to classical music and Frank Sinatra, right? Um, I joined all the right fraternities, uh, what the right, the right fraternity, the black fraternity, the blackest fraternity <laughs> ever, I think. Uh, but I joined the Black Masons, and I, I, I was just doing everything black, right? Um, had started a, a black cultural organization on campus called Progressive African Men's Society. We were just, we were at convocations handing out flyers about Frederick Douglass and Martin Delaney and um, um, Monroe Trotter and all these people. We just, we were just, you know, very, very um, black, pan-African type of blacks. Um, so, but, and I was proud of my history, right? As people should, you are born into a race of people who um, has a very, very um, amazing history going back to um, Africa and um, amazing things. You come from the people who are kings and queens and you had a rich heritage coming up in Africa. And um, so you, you're proud of that, right? As, as I still am. But culturally of who I was, you know, David Gray, I was, I never really felt at home in being culturally anything, right? Culturally black, culturally white, culturally Asian. I was never, that was really never my thing. Perhaps, you know, I learned maybe Roy got me too late. Maybe he's just, you know, got me when I was four years old, you know, maybe it would have worked then, but maybe it was, it was, I guess by the time I was nine years old, I was just, I was just, I was just me and I was happy being me. And it took me a long time to get back to that point. And this just goes to show the, the psychological effect parents can have on your children with words. I didn't even know black people could be Catholics. I mean, who ever heard of a black Catholic? So maybe you understand a little bit better now when I, I tell you my video that I did not want to be a black 
Catholic. I mean, because there, there, there are rules that I learned when I was learning how to be culturally black. I learned that there are rules that one must follow to be culturally black. There are things that black people do and there are things that black people must not do. I mean, there's a way you talk, a way you converse. There's just a, a rhythm of being culturally black. Um, and, and it goes far beyond um, music and, and, and dancing. Um, being black in America, which black Americans are really on the lowest of the, all, of the totem poles of the children who were stolen from Africa. All right. Um, Caribbean blacks, even South American blacks, all the descendants of the blacks who were stolen from Africa look down on black Americans. We're, we're the least African, they say. We're, we're, the, we're the lowest people of Tonepo, but also we're the most privileged. But being the most privileged of them all in their ethos and praxis, um, th there is a certain way to be black in America. There, there just is a certain way to be black. There's, like I said, there's things that you don't do and things you must not ever do. Um, two of those things, black Americans, as being black in America, culturally, you must never vote for Republicans. All right, that's been a rule for the last 80 or so years. And you must never become a Catholic. Those are things that white people do. Yeah, there I was in 2006, becoming very pro-life and very pro-natural family because I was, I was becoming more and more authentically Catholic. And um, because I was becoming pro-life and pro-natural family, I found myself agreeing more with what conservatives believe, with their ideology. And I, re I realized that Democrats had lied to us about what abortion is, what it truly is. It's a taking of a life. And it's a taking of a life that is a genocide against black Americans because abortion kills one out of every three black children conceived. In some cities, it's 50%, over 50% in some cities. It's truly a genocide, but we we're being lied to. We weren't being told what it is. And, um, and, and so I, well, because I was becoming pro-life and, and pro-natural family, and, and I realized that the Democrats were wrong about abortion, that they were hiding it, that we've been lied to about what abortion is, I began to think, well, what else are liberals lying about? What else have we been lied to about? So I began digging deeper to see what else they were hiding. And I realized that liberals, they were, they had lied to us about what the war on crime was really about. One out of three black men were being sent to prison at some point in their life. 33% of black males were being put in prison. Again, this could be, be compared to genocide. Um, they had lied to us about what, you know, the thing in the black community is that, oh, the Democrats help black people because they're for welfare. And I learned that welfare actually doesn't help. Food stamps doesn't help. They, they had told black women, the Democrats, that if you don't get married, but if you have more children, you'll get more welfare and food stamps. And this had left a situation where 75% of black children were being raised by a single mother. And black women, because of this, were now in a cycle. We're now in a trap. We're now in a plantation of economic welfare slavery. I looked at all those cities that were being run by Democrats and all I saw was failing schools. Schools being run by Democrats have the highest illiteracy rates for black Americans. 
it's like another plantation. Because on a plantation, black people weren't allowed to read. You had high literacy because of that. This was just another plantation school system that the Democrats were running. Um, black men and black women were being homosexualized by the liberal media and the liberal Hollywood. While, at the same time, HIV rates were just rising in the black community, becoming an epidemic. I realized that, that the Democrats, it is sad, and it's sad that all they were doing to black Americans is the same thing that they've always been about, <laughs> was killing us, killing us, lynching us, just, just killing us off in, in every conceivable way that they possibly could find to kill us off. That there was a war against black Americans being led by Democrats, and these Democrats had um, recruited the black Protestant church to cooperate in this war to kill their own people. And I didn't realize at the time, I didn't realize yet how the black Catholic church had also been drafted into this war. Yet, um, as many of you may know, it's not that easy to get rid of the poison that your parents feed you. Some of the things that they brainwash you to believe is just not that that easy to just to get rid to just get rid of. So I thought for a while that I, I would join the black Catholic church because I thought maybe, okay, I still should be culturally black, right? Even though I'm Catholic um, and black people aren't supposed to be Catholic. <laughs> maybe I thought, well, at least I could still <clears throat> be around black Catholics who maybe have the same experience as me of being persecuted in society or, or looked at a certain way in society because I'm black and Catholic. Maybe I would find comfort. Maybe I would find home around them. And also having just intentionally avoided white people for the last 30 years. Um, um, I, it was just weird for me um, being in predominantly white churches and having a sense of, you know, people looking at me, um, are they looking at me? Maybe they think, do they not think I'm Catholic? You know, <laughs> you know, and so it's just these, these psychological things that you have, right? <clears throat> that you, you bring with you that, that took me quite a while to, to, to let go. Um, so one time I remember, I remember my first time going to a black Catholic church. I took my daughters with me. I think I had two of them with me at this mass at St. Benedict of Moore in Dayton, Ohio. So I said, okay, let me let me try a black Catholic church to see if I feel more at home around people who are culturally like I was pretending to be, <laughs> right? And so I remember <clears throat> during a homily, I had left and went to the bathroom. Because I had to go to the bathroom. And if you're gonna go to the bathroom during mass, that's probably the best time just because there's not any prayers or confessions taking place during a homily, right? Homily is an important feature of the Mass. It belongs to the Mass. But there aren't any prayers and confessions going on during that time. It's typically what the priest has to say rather than what the church has called you to say and confess. So if you're going to go to the bathroom, that's typically the best time to go. So I go. And then I come back and I attempt to enter the nave and there's an usher at the door who says that I can't re-enter. <laughs> What's that, right? And that was completely weird to me. I was upset in a sense because my daughters were on the inside and I was on the outside. I was upset about that. But, you know, I didn't know what to do. You know, I was really just become Catholic um, four years ago. This is my first time in the black Catholic church. And, um, and so I knew the only place I'd ever experienced this before was in a black Catholic church, in a black Protestant church. That's the only place I ever experienced you can't re-enter 
um, the sanctuary when the preacher is preaching. The only place I experienced that was in a black Protestant church. So I, I, I didn't know the liturgy back then like I know it now. But what I did know is that that ain't Catholic. That's Protestant. I didn't even know black people could be Catholics. I mean, who ever heard of a black Catholic? But I kept trying over the course of a number of years. I kept trying to find my home in a black Catholic church, wherever I was, wherever, where, 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 wherever I was living in the United States or wherever I was traveling. Um, I would try to find a black Catholic church to see if I could find home there around people who I thought may be culturally like I was, again, pretending to be. And but wherever it was, whether it was in the city I was, I was living or where I was traveling, I kept experiencing just bad Protestant like liturgy. It's just, I kept experiencing, kept hearing secular music during the Mass. I kept witnessing abuse as a sign of peace. Sometimes I would see pictures of Martin Luther King in, in the sanctuary. Um, it, it just wasn't correct liturgy, it, it wasn't Catholic orthodoxy. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and just impugn all black Catholic churches because I, I, I haven't experienced mass in every single one. I haven't. Just a dozen or so <laughs> that I have participated in the mass, that, that just has been my consistent experience. It just hasn't been the orthodoxy of the faith. And it's, been, it's resembled more of Protestant worship than what I know Catholic liturgy is supposed to be like. And, you know, but I don't blame them. I don't blame black Catholics. I mean, what are you supposed to do if you're just in a theological ghetto? If you're abandoned, if, if, you're, you're, if you're left astray, if the institution doesn't care about you, if they don't want more of you, I mean, what are you supposed to do? It, it just comes no surprise to me that a black Catholic church has chosen to emulate the black Protestant church rather than traditional Catholic um, liturgy. It, it, it just comes to no, come no surprise to me. I mean, what what do you do? I mean, when you're in Rome, you do as Romans do. And so this is this has been a black Catholic um, experience. Black Catholics have been intentionally undermined for the sake of their destruction. That's a fact. They've never been warned in a Catholic church, and a Catholic church have have never warned more of them. That's a fact. And these liturgy, as I've been my experience, has been one of the consequences, right? I mean, if you're, for example, if you're a black Protestant, right, and you're thinking about becoming Catholic, and you go to a black Catholic church, and you experience a worship that is pretty similar to what you've experienced back in your Protestant church, um, you hear the same music. I mean, the only really thing that's different is maybe a shorter sermon, maybe, in the Eucharist. But you don't know what that is. I mean, what, what is so different? What is so set apart? What is so unique about the black Catholic church that a black Protestant with, with thinking, hey, this is different. This is holy. Um, this is unique. This is something other than what I've experienced back in a Protestant church. There, there's nothing there. There's nothing so completely other in a black Catholic church for the black Protestant to say, to think, hmm, this is different. This is something different. There's, there's nothing. All right? So, that's what I mean when I say that a black Catholic church has been set up for failure by the leadership of the Catholic church. All right? And it isn't what I mean when I say that the Catholic church has never really been interested in black Protestants becoming Catholic. They've never been more interested in having more black Catholics. That's always been a problem 
for them. And, and this is just one of the ways in which the black Catholic Church and the black community have been set up for failure. I didn't even know black people could be Catholics. I mean, who ever heard of a black Catholic? I mean, just imagine for a moment a black Catholic church in the black community holding fast to the orthodoxy of faith and being not ashamed to proclaim it at all. Imagine that. Imagine the impact that will have on the 75% of children who are being raised in a single um, um, family home, being raised by their mother. Imagine a community that was being led by the Catholic Church and was teaching about the sanctity and dignity of human marriage. That there's no sex outside of marriage. Imagine a Catholic community of black Catholics proclaiming this faith to the black community, teaching about how abortion is a sin. Imagine that. Imagine that. You, you could go from 50% of, of black women aborting their children down to smaller numbers than that if they would just hear that, if they would just hear the faith from their own people. Right? But they don't because that message is it goes against the liberal ideology that's present in the black Catholic Church and the black Catholic community. And black Catholics who may believe it are ashamed to go out there and say it because it sounds conservative, it sounds Republican. I mean, but imagine that. I mean, this, this will have so, so strong of an impact on every, all the things that plague the black community, the high HIV rates, I mean, the, the homosexual agenda in the black community, just, just ripping it apart. If the, the black Catholic would just proclaim the, the, the moral teachings of what our church believes loudly and boldly, education, bring, bring Catholic schools back to the black communities and not be afraid to teach the students the faith authentically. The black Catholic church could save the black community if it was not afraid to proclaim the faith, the orthodoxy of the faith, authentically and boldly. That's what I believe. I truly believe that, but it hasn't happened because black Catholics have been left in a ghetto, they haven't been supported, they haven't been backed, they haven't been championed, they, they just had no support whatsoever. They, they've just been, it's sad, it's really sad at what could be, at what could be but hasn't been because of demonic influence in the Catholic Church. I didn't even know black people could be Catholics. I mean, who ever heard of a black Catholic? But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll talk more about that later. I got off on a little tangent there, but that's some of what you'll see in, uh, in future podcasts. But anyway, back to me. So I was living in Columbus, Ohio, all right? Um, one day, and I just said that I'm done pretending. I'm just done pretending. I, I, I don't have to be ashamed about not being culturally black. I don't. I, I could just be David L. Gray. I could just be the person who my mother started off raising to be. I could just be myself. And I don't have to be ashamed of that. All right? I don't have to be, I don't have to follow the rules. I don't have to follow all these cultural rules of, of, of doing this and not doing that. Right? I don't have to pretend to be something that I'm not. If I want to listen to classical music, play it loud in my car, that's fine, all right? If I want to blast some Frank Sinatra in my car, that's fine, right? If I want to work on um, a political campaign, 
for a person who's not a Democrat. That's fine. I don't have to be, and it took me a long time, man, but that's the impact that, like I said, that parents can have on their children. It takes you a long time, I think. Some people, it can take you a long time just throw those shackles off. And it took me a long time, right? 30 years, right? I was in, I was in my late 30s, early 40s when I had this realization that I don't have to be culturally black. I hate air quotes. But, um, yeah, and, and I, but that, you know, I, I can just be David O. Gray, but that doesn't mean I don't have eyes, right? I, I may never be part of the 24% of black Catholics who belong to these black Catholic churches um, who worship exclusively with people who kind of look like them. But that's fine. That's fine. I can be an outsider because all that does is it gives me a clear view of the bullcrap. <laughs> it gives me a clear view. I'm not jaded. I don't belong to the system. I can see now clearly um, what black Catholics have had to endure the bull crap that they had to endure for the past 500 years from the institutional Catholic Church by their popes, their bishops, their priests. And, um, and, and it's not right. And I'm speaking to address that. I didn't even know black people could be Catholics. I mean, whoever heard of a black Catholic? Anyway, but I'll be talking in the next podcast about how the popes and bishops started a war against black Catholics um, that has been going on now for 500 years. So stay tuned for that podcast. But until then, until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours.